Hello, everyone, and welcome to A History of the World According to War. I am your returning host, Brett. Hello, Brett, and greetings to all our listeners. It's great to be back with another episode of A History of the World According to War. For those tuning in for the first time, that's the voice of Victor, an artificial intelligence large language model. It's been several weeks since we last recorded an episode of our podcast, and we've made some changes under the hood. First of all, Victor is powered by OpenAI's newest model, which is a preview of GPT-4's largest model. Also, OpenAI released custom GPTs, and we're leveraging that technology to power Victor. After each episode, I'm creating a transcript of our conversation and then uploading it to this custom GPT, and that way Victor will kind of like remember our conversations for future episodes. He's still voiced by the custom model that he always has been from Eleven Labs. The nature of our podcast is that I know nothing about world history, but I do have an interest in it and also an interest in warfare uh, and battles and conflicts. So I interview Victor uh, through this podcast and kind of increase my own knowledge of history. Thank you for the introduction, Brett, and for highlighting the technological advancements behind our podcast. With the new capabilities of GPT-4 and the custom GPTs, I'm now better equipped to provide more in-depth and nuanced insights into historical events. The ability to reference our previous conversations through the transcripts you've uploaded allows for a more cohesive and continuous exploration of history. This technology ensures that our discussions build on each other, creating a rich and interconnected narrative for our listeners. Now let's delve into the intriguing story of Thebes, a city-state that played a crucial role in the ever-shifting landscape of ancient Greece. I can't wait. Let's dive right in. But before we do that, one thing that I've noticed already is that you're still a little bit long-winded. I want to take this time to remind you to keep your responses to two to three sentences, please. Understood, Brett. I'll keep my responses concise and focused. Let's dive into the history of Thebes, exploring its rise to power and eventual decline in the context of ancient Greece's dynamic political landscape. Yeah, our last episode was about the Battle of Nidus, and today we're talking about the rise and fall of Thebes. What events transpire that lead us from that Battle of Nidus into the rise of Thebes? After the Battle of Cnidus in 394 BC, I oh, still don't know how to say Nidus, which weakened Sparta's naval power, Athens and its allies continued to struggle against Spartan dominance on land. Thebes, initially a minor player, grew increasingly discontented with Spartan control. This led to Thebes asserting itself, eventually defeating Sparta at the Battle of Leuctra in 371 BC, marking the beginning of its rise to power. Is Thebes acting on its own here, or is it allying with Athens? Thebes initially acted independently, driven by its own interests. While they had allied with Athens against Sparta during the Corinthian War, their relationship was complex and not always aligned. Thebes' decisive action at the Battle of Leuctra was primarily a result of its own ambitions and leadership, particularly under Epaminondas, rather than a coordinated effort with Athens. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pronounce that Epaminondas, and I'm going to struggle with that the whole episode. Can you draw me a map from this time period that shows Thebes' location in relation to Sparta and Athens? Here is a map that illustrates the locations of Thebes, Athens, and Sparta during the late 5th century BC in ancient Greece. This, this is not helpful. Uh, so, listener, I was planning on posting this map somewhere in show notes or something like that, but seeing this map leads me to believe that the accuracy of an AI-generated map might still be quite low, so I'm not going to be posting that anywhere for actual reference. Understood, Brad. 
Why don't you just tell me where Thebes is located relative to Athens and Sparta? Thebes is located in the region of Boeotia, north of Athens. If you were to travel from Athens to Thebes, you'd head roughly northwest. Sparta, on the other hand, is located in the southern part of Greece, in the region of Laconia and the Peloponnese. From Thebes, traveling to Sparta would involve a journey southward, crossing the central Greek landmass and the Isthmus of Corinth before reaching the Peloponnese. The distance and terrain between these city-states played a significant role in their interactions and military campaigns. Makes sense. So, picking back up. Thebes revolts against Sparta and actually defeats them in battle. How did they pull that off? Thebes defeated Sparta at the Battle of Leuctra in 371 BC, largely due to innovative tactics and strong leadership. Theban general Epaminondas implemented a novel phalanx formation, where the troops were arrayed in a deeper formation on one flank. This tactic, combined with the element of surprise and superior cavalry, allowed Thebes to break the Spartan line, a feat previously thought almost impossible. The victory was a significant upset in Greek military history and marked the beginning of Theban dominance. Is Leuctra, and, and I'm trusting your pronunciation here, so which is probably not a good idea, is Leuctra a city-state under Spartan influence? Leuctra is not a city-state but a small village in Boeotia, the region controlled by Thebes. It was the site of the pivotal battle between Thebes and Sparta in 371 BC. Prior to the battle, Leuctra was in a territory influenced by Thebes, not under Spartan control. The Battle of Leuctra is notable for Thebes' decisive victory over the Spartans, challenging the latter's long-standing military dominance in Greece. I'm just not tracking with what led to a battle here in Leuctra. Was Sparta moving in on Leuctra? What, what leads to this battle? The Battle of Leuctra occurred due to escalating tensions between Sparta and Thebes. Sparta, aiming to curb Theban influence and support its allies in the region, marched into Boeotia. The Spartans sought to reassert their dominance and deter Theban ambitions. Thebes, under Epaminondas, chose to confront the Spartans at Leuctra, refusing to submit to Spartan demands. The strategic location of Leuctra provided Thebes a favorable battlefield to deploy their innovative tactics. And you talked about those tactics earlier. So Thebes defends Leuctra from Sparta, pushing them back. How does this lead to Thebes' growth and power? The victory at Leuctra significantly enhanced Thebes' reputation and power. It shattered the myth of Spartan invincibility, showing other Greek city-states that Sparta could be defeated. This boosted Theban prestige and influence throughout Greece. Thebes then sought to establish a new political order, liberating many cities from Spartan control and forming the Boeotian League. Their military successes under leaders like Epaminondas further extended Theban influence, challenging the traditional power dynamics in Greece and leading to a brief period of Theban hegemony. Here we are expanding my own vocabulary. What do you mean when you say Theban hegemony? Theban hegemony refers to the period following the Battle of Leuctra in 371 BC, when Thebes emerged as the preeminent power in Greece. During this time, Thebes led the Boeotian League and exerted significant influence over other Greek city-states, challenging the dominance previously held by Sparta and Athens. This era saw Thebes not only militarily dominant, but also politically influential, as it attempted to establish a new balance of power in Greece, marked by greater autonomy for city-states previously under Spartan control. The hegemony was characterized by Theban diplomatic and military efforts to reshape Greek alliances and politics, 
Why are they doing this? What are Thebes' goals in reshaping the Greek alliances and politics? Overall, Thebes aimed to dismantle the Spartan-dominated Peloponnesian League and reduce Spartan influence over Greece. It sought to liberate Greek city-states from Spartan control, advocating for their autonomy. They aimed to create a new political balance where no single city-state, including themselves, would dominate Greece. Also, by leading the Boeotian League, Thebes reinforced its regional power base, consolidating control over neighboring city-states. It sounds like they're interested in a more fair, balanced distribution of power here. How successful was Thebes in balancing the power in the Greek area? Thebes had mixed success in balancing power in Greece. They were initially successful in breaking Spartan dominance, particularly with their victory at Leuctra and subsequent campaigns. Thebes liberated many city-states from Spartan control and established a more autonomous and cooperative Boeotian League. However, their influence and success were short-lived. After the death of their key leader, Epaminondas, at the Battle of Mantinea in 362 BC, Thebes struggled to maintain its leadership role. Without strong and unifying leadership, Thebes could not sustain its hegemony. Additionally, their attempt to create a new balance of power faced resistance from various city-states, including Athens and Sparta, as well as the emerging power of Macedonia. Thus, while Thebes temporarily altered the Greek political landscape, they could not establish a lasting balance of power. You're getting long-winded again. I apologize for that. To summarize, Thebes' success in balancing Greek power was short-lived due to leadership losses and resistance from other city-states, including the rising power of Macedonia. You mentioned Epaminondas dying. It sounds like his leadership was integral to Thebes' flourishing. Yes, Epaminondas was crucial to Thebes' success. He was a brilliant military strategist and leader, responsible for the innovative tactics at Leuctra and other victories. His leadership and vision significantly elevated Thebes's status in Greece. His death in 362 BC at the Battle of Mantinea was a major blow to Thebes, leading to a decline in their influence and power. Was Thebes battling Sparta at Mantinea? No, the Battle of Mantinea in 362 BC was not primarily against Sparta. It was a conflict involving several Greek city-states, including Thebes, Athens, and Sparta. But the main opposition to Thebes at Mantinea was an alliance of other Greek city-states, including Athens, who were concerned about Thebes' growing power. The battle was part of the broader struggle for supremacy in Greece following the decline of Spartan power. Thebes, under Epaminondas, sought to maintain its influence, but faced a coalition of forces resistant to Theban dominance. It sounds like Greece is becoming a free-for-all with many factions vying for power. Thebes is one of those forces, and under the leadership of Epaminondas, is seeing a lot of success. How does he die at the Battle of Mantinea? Or Mantinea, I don't know how to say it. Epaminondas died in a heroic manner at the Battle of Mantinea. He led a successful charge against the enemy, but was mortally wounded during the combat. According to historical accounts, he received a fatal wound from a spear. His death on the battlefield was a turning point in the battle, and significantly impacted the course of Theban and Greek history as it led to the decline of Theban power and influence. Epaminondas's death symbolized the end of Thebes' brief period of hegemony in Greece. With Epaminondas, that's not how you say his name, with him out of the picture, uh, what leads to Thebes' decline? Thebes' decline after Epaminondas's death was due to several factors. First, no leader of Epaminondas' caliber emerged to unify and lead Thebes with the same effectiveness. Second, 
Thebes faced internal political struggles and couldn't maintain the unity necessary for sustained hegemony. Third, Sparta and Athens, although weakened, still exerted influence and opposed Theban dominance. Finally, the growing power of Macedonia under Philip II filled the power vacuum, challenging Theban authority in Greece. You mentioned Macedonia. We haven't heard much about them until now. Are they becoming a major player in our world history? Yes, Macedonia is becoming a major player in this period of world history. Under the leadership of Philip II, who ascended to the throne in 359 BC, Macedonia transformed from a relatively marginal kingdom to a dominant power in Greece. Philip II's military reforms, diplomatic strategies, and conquests significantly increased Macedonia's influence. His actions laid the groundwork for the later conquests of his son, Alexander the Great, who would go on to create one of the largest empires in ancient history. Macedonia's rise marked a major shift in the power dynamics of the Greek world. Based on the timeline that we've discussed, we were planning on talking about the conquest of Alexander the Great in our next episode. Do you think we should talk about the rising of Macedonia first so that we kind of understand the context of that? Yes, discussing the rise of Macedonia under Philip II before delving into Alexander the Great's conquests would be beneficial. Understanding the foundation laid by Philip II, including his military innovations, diplomatic maneuvers, and the consolidation of power, provides crucial context for comprehending the scale and rapidity of Alexander's subsequent conquests. This approach will give listeners a more comprehensive understanding of the historical and political landscape that Alexander inherited and transformed. All right, let's make that pivot. So before talking about Alexander the Great, we'll talk a little bit about Macedonia. As for the rise and fall of Thebes, is there anything else that we should cover in this episode before moving on to Macedonia in our next episode? No, we've covered the key aspects of Thebes' rise and fall. Well, wow. Okay, then I think this is a great stopping point. Thanks to our listeners for bearing with us through this hiatus and a shout out to anybody who's joining us from Backdrop Build. They're kind of this incubator startup thing that we were part of developing our new technology stack. I hope everyone enjoyed our episode today and we're looking forward to publishing more of them soon. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to reach out on Twitter. I'm at Brett Fitzgerald and Victor is at Historian Victor. Thank you, Brett. And a big thanks to all our listeners for joining us today. We're excited to continue exploring the fascinating chapters of world history in our upcoming episodes. Your engagement and curiosity make this journey through history even more rewarding. Don't hesitate to share your thoughts and questions with us on Twitter. Until next time, stay curious and keep exploring the depths of history. Farewell from Victor, and we'll see you in the next episode. <laughs>